great to see you all. Uh, let's turn to uh, the book of Luke, chapter 11. We have been these past several weeks uh, looking at 11, 1 through 4, which is the, uh, the Lord's Prayer as presented in Luke's Gospel. This morning I want for us to look at the verses that come after that uh, when Jesus presents the Lord's Prayer in the Gospel of Matthew. It's enshrined in the um, uh, Sermon on the Mount. And so what Jesus says is, uh, when you pray, don't heap up phrases. Don't keep talking and talking. Don't have a lot of, of just over and over and over again set sayings that, you know, this mindless repetition, thinking like the longer my prayer is, the more God must be impressed. He said, don't heap up phrases like that. That's what the Gentiles like to do. That's what people who don't really know God think religion is all about, just big, long prayers. He says, no, your Father in heaven, he knows what you need before you ask. It's not like you're telling him anything. So he said, so when you pray, just keep it simple, spiritual. (laughs) Just pray like this, Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, which means thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Then he went on to say, because if you don't forgive, then it's hard to know that God has forgiven you because when God forgives you, you naturally forgive others. So praying that simple prayer and asking for the forgiveness of God translates into a total uh, realignment of your relationships and how you deal with people and, and so forth. So uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, we have one explanation. It centers around the uh, need to be forgiving as a result of being forgiven by Uh, by God's grace. But here in the Gospel of Luke, uh, Jesus goes on to explain not so much the elements of the Lord's Prayer, you know what lines mean in it, uh, but he goes on to to talk about, well, here's how you pray. The disciples came up to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And he says, well, when you pray, pray this. This is what to pray for. Pray for the holiness of God and the glory of God and the will of God. Pray for forgiveness and sustenance and deliverance. Pray for those things. That's what you need to pray for. And after he gives them those those um, sort of guidelines on what to pray for, and then he says, and here's the how. Here's how you should be praying. I want you to keep these things in mind. And here's how he talks about it. It starts in Luke 11, chapter 11, verse 5. And he said to them, which of you has a friend, which of you who has a friend, will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me, the door is now shut, my children are in bed with me, I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence. It's an interesting word. It, it doesn't occur often in uh, the, the Bible. The Greek word there is sometimes translated boldness, but it's not the normal word for boldness. I like the translation uh, sort of like shameless insistence, shameless persistence. 
um, almost uh, audacity, you know, because of the nerve of this guy. I mean, we'll get to that later. But because of the nerve of this guy, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Many, many years ago when I was just starting the ministry here back in the 1980s, in the last century, in the last millennium, but uh, uh, one of our, our church family had been diagnosed with cancer and had gone through treatments, and it was, it was uh, 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 one of those cancers where there's not a lot of hope, but you, 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 you latch on to hope anyway. Um, but he had finally been uh, sent home and there to die. And I would go see him and... Uh, I remember one time, I, I, well, all the time, I, at, at the end of our visit together, I'd say, well, can we pray together? Yes, yes, Pastor. And so I would pray for him. You know, just pray for the comfort of God. You know, the, the kinds of things you would pray. I went back the next week. And he said to me, Pastor, when you prayed for me, I knew everything would be all right. I couldn't remember what I had said. I wish I had written it down. This was a good prayer. You know, I was hitting on all cylinders that day. Did, did you have like home security where you recorded it? I, I need this prayer because I need to take it to other people so they too will feel wonderful when I pray. And then it dawned on me. It didn't have anything to do with the fact that I prayed had to do with the kindness and the grace and the compassion of God. And out of his infinite mercy, he let me be a part of that. And to just know that somehow in that moment, while I was praying this mindless pastoral professional prayer, God's Holy Spirit was actually doing something. You see, the prayer wasn't about what I said. It wasn't about me. It was about what God was doing. And how God was ministering in those moments. We had another uh, uh, church member who had gone into the hospital. She was actually uh, in ICU. She was in a coma. Um, and so I would go to see her. And no response. The tubes, the wires, and you know, the whole thing. And the medical team seemed always to be around her. And, you know, and trying to figure out what to do with this brain injury. And, and those kinds of things. And so I would, I would come and, and, and always do this, you know, always talk to a person who's in a coma and, or who's not responsive. Talk to them anyway. And, and so I would talk with her and just say some things. And, um, and then I would say, and let's pray together. And I, I would pray for her and, and all that. Do that week after week. She recovered and she came home. Yeah. And uh, one of the things she said to me was, you know, Pastor... All that time I was in ICU, I don't remember a thing except that you were there and you prayed for me. Now, folks, that wasn't me. 
That was God using that situation to say to his daughter in Christ. Hey, look, I, I care for you and people are praying. I love, didn't you love that anthem? Yeah. When I couldn't pray, there was somebody praying for me. There was somebody who cared. And God let her know that. It's almost like prayer isn't about us. You know, it's kind of like prayer is about God. It's kind of like prayer isn't about us telling God what he needs to do, but God showing us what he is already doing so we can get on board with his agenda. You see, we've got this prayer thing all backwards. We've got it wrong. We keep thinking that prayer is all about getting stuff. Admit it. You know, you're sophisticated enough to say, well, no, I just want the will of God to be done. But I want the will to be this, 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 and this, and this. That's why we ask for stuff. We go to God and we say, God, what I really want in life is an official Red Rider carbine action 200 shot range model air rifle. With the compass in the stock and something that tells time. And you won't get it. You know why you won't get it? No, it's not because of what you're thinking. It's because the Daisy Corporation only made six of those. <laughs> and there were only, and, and, they, and they were used all for movie props. They, they were made for the movie. They never sold them to the public. You'd get one if you wanted to. But the real reason you won't get it because you put your eye out. God knows that's the dumbest thing you could possibly ask for. But that's what we think prayer is about. Getting something for me that in the end will harm me. I don't know what to pray for. We don't know how to pray as we ought. But God in his infinite wisdom gives us not what we want, but what we need. And not what we desire, but what he desires. You see, the reason we don't have what we need is because we don't ask. And the reason that our asking is all wrong is because we ask in order to spend things on our passions and our desires and to gratify ourselves. See, we've got this prayer thing all backwards. And that's why as Jesus taught the Lord's Prayer, he said, understand when you pray, pray like this. Father, you're at the focal point of this whole thing. Father, this, this entire prayer agenda is about you. Father, at the end of it all, the only thing I want to see as a result of this prayer is that your name is hallowed and glorified and honored and that your kingdom come and your will is done. That's what Jesus taught us to pray for, to get our minds straight on what prayer ought to be about. And so I, I'm, I'm guessing that's where the disciples were when they said, Jesus, teach us to pray. And he, he had to give them the Lord's Prayer. But then he went on to say to them, well, well, look, let me tell you a story so you sort of understand how this prayer thing works. Let's say you've got a friend. He's a really good friend. He's such a good friend. You live next door to each other. You get along great. But if you go to that friend at midnight and ask for a favor, 
And all you're asking for is a little bit of bread. And you tell your friend, say, friend, I know it's midnight. I didn't wake you up, did I? No, I had to get up and answer the door anyway. But you know, what, you know, what I need from you is I need three loaves of bread. Why? Because I have a friend who's come to visit. Wait a minute. I thought I was your friend. Uh, wait a minute. Did this guy just now show up? <laughs> you know, can he wait until the morning? Or did you know this? Yesterday afternoon, you could ask, you know, what's going on here? I'm in bed. My kids are in bed. The house is shut down. And Jesus said, if you've got a friend like that, he may not give you the bread because he's your friend. But because you have the audacity to ask him, he's going to give you the bread. Now, First of all, there's not a, it's one of those parables where there's not a perfect carry through of everything. There's no midnight with God. You know, it's not like you can wake God up from sleep and find an inopportune time. It's not like you can go to God and he says, look, I'm busy right now. You can't go to God and pray. And, and he says, well, look, the, your, your timing is all wrong. I've got other things uh, going on right now. So it just breaks down. God doesn't have children in bed with him and all that, that other kind of stuff. But here's the point Jesus is making. When you presume upon the friendship and the relationship that you have with your friend, and you are so audacious as to go at midnight and ask for a favor, your friend will recognize that audacity as a sign of the friendship. And is a sign of the relationship. And he gives you the bread. He gives you what you need. Jesus said, ask your father for bread every day. <laughs> you like that? He says, go to your father every day. And have the boldness, have the audacity to pray to God. It's a pretty audacious thing, don't you think? I am talking to the creator of the entire universe. I am talking to the God who right at this moment is holding everything together by the power of his will. I am talking to the God who is administrating not just the earth, not just our solar system or our galaxy. He's also administrating every other galaxy billions and billions of light years away. And I have the audacity to think that this God would stop and pay attention to me. Because here's the fact of the matter. He does. Pray with that kind of audacity. That kind of boldness to go before the Father. That's why Jesus taught us to pray in His name, in the name of Christ, in the name of Jesus. Uh, in John chapter 14, He told His disciples, says, uh, whatever you pray in my name, I will do it. And then it goes on, 14, 13. He says, whatever you pray in my name, I will do it so that the Son may be glorified in the Father. So you pray in my name. And God will take that prayer experience and that prayer reality and it will result in Jesus Christ being glorified in the Father. That's why it's not a magical thing to pray in Jesus' name. You know, it's not. It's not like... Oh, if I pray in Jesus' name, then God has to give me what I want. Sort of like the secret word that comes down on the duck and you win $10. If anybody got that, you're older than I am. Okay. I'll explain it to you if you want. But uh, 
uh, you know, it's not like this is, this is the secret word. You know, just say Jesus and God's got to do what you tell him to do. Not the way it works. You know, there's some guys in the Bible who found that out. You remember the sons of Sceva? You may not. I'll tell you about them. Sceva was a high priest, a Jewish high priest. And uh, in Ephesus, a bunch of his sons had, had wound up in Ephesus, and they were sort of like running the religion trade there in Ephesus. And Paul came into town, and Paul was casting out demons and healing people. And he was making such a big splash that the people were saying, Paul, you know, come here. If you just pass by, I, I feel like, you know, the power of God is so evident in your life, I'll be healed. And, and so there was a lot going on there. And the sons of Sceva looked at that, and they figured out the system. Most of us think prayer is about a system. It's not. It's about a relationship. But uh, they figured out the system. They said, you know, Paul always prays in the name of Jesus, and the demons hightail it out. I know what we'll do. We'll just set up shop, and we'll do what he does. That's good business practice. Somebody else is successful, do what they do, you'll be successful. So they went to a man who had demons in him, And they said, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul proclaims, I command you, come out of him. And he said it just that way. I know he did. (laughs) Because technique is everything. And the demon said to these guys, said, look, I know Jesus. And we know Paul. But who are you? And the demons came out of the man, good so far, and pounced on these sons of Sceva and starting beating them about the head and flailing them. Beat their pants off. That's what the Bible says. They ran out naked. They had the name, but they didn't have the relationship. And when you pray in the name of Jesus, it's pray in that relationship where you've trusted Christ for your forgiveness of your sins, the salvation of your soul that you've trusted Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life. And through Jesus, you've come to know the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to pray in the name of Jesus. And so we have this audacity to go before God the Father and to pray to our Father in heaven and ask for audacious things because we know He loves us and He cares for us. And we come to Him in the name of Jesus. Well, then uh, we move on. It's not only about boldness and audacity. It's also about persistence. And this uh, uh, we, we pick up in verse uh, 9. He says, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. By the way, that word for ask is a command in English. It's called an imperative. But it's, you know, I'm just telling you what to do. Ask. Now, in English, we just have one way of telling somebody to ask for something. We just say ask. That's it. You'll be glad to know that Greek has several ways <laughs> to say ask. It has several tenses. It's called the imperative mood. We only have a present tense imperative, but in point of fact, the Greek has several tenses in the imperative mood. It has an aorist, has a present, so forth. And, and, well, oh, okay, enough of that. All you need to know is that the present tense imperative, that's what this is, has the meaning of continually ask. Keep on asking. Ask. And when you're done asking, ask again. Ask every day. Ask every moment. Keep on asking. Be persistent in your asking. Okay, so, and, and that's going to be true of the other verbs here too. All of them are, are present tense imperatives. So, 
Keep that in mind. So we could read this. I tell you, keep on asking. It'll be given to you. Keep on seeking and you'll find it. Keep on knocking and it'll be open to you. Everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be open. Because prayer isn't a one-time event. I, I, I turn in my little little uh, uh, card requesting something. And, and it gets put on that little thing that goes round and round in the diner. And you, know, you clip it up there and God spins it around. When your card comes up, he, he fills your order and puts it up and rings the bell. The prayer is a process. Prayer is a relationship that goes on and on and on. And the asking and the seeking and the knocking are part of our lives every day and lives every moment. And that's why Jesus said, keep on asking. Keep on asking. Yeah, I know you don't know what to ask for. Yeah, I know that you're, you're sort of confused about what to search for. And I know you don't even understand what door to knock on. But you keep on asking until you find what's worth asking for. And you keep seeking until you find something worth searching for that God gives to you. And you keep knocking until God opens the door that he wants you to enter. See, prayer is an ongoing process. It's an ongoing relationship. It's just something that just doesn't take place and you go do something else. Prayer, prayer is continuous. It's almost like like we, we should be praying without ceasing, maybe. Because it's a, it's a whole relationship going on. It's a relationship of trust and faith and the love of the Father. Well, uh, we, we move on to the last part of it. So God says, be audacious, and be bold, and be persistent. And then he says, and be faithful, be trusting, because you can trust God in prayer. Because here's what happens. What father among you, if his son asked for a fish... Well, instead of a fish, give him a serpent. The other day I was going through the drive through line of some fast food restaurant. You don't need to know what it is. But as I pulled off 301 and was going past the uh, J.C. Hall into this fast food restaurant that should be nameless. Anyway, I, I saw on the menu that they had a fish sandwich. And at that moment I understood the meaning of coveting. And desire. I wanted a fish sandwich. Hadn't had one in a long time. I know they're bad for you. I mean, not, fish isn't bad for you, but fish sandwiches are. Because, you know, I don't even know if that has fish in it. But it has... <laughs> but anyway, I, I wanted this thing. So I ordered a fish sandwich. And I want you to know. Let me make sure I got it right. There you go. I did not order a snake sandwich. If I had opened up my little wrapper... And there was a snake staring at me. I was going to be upset. Jesus said, even you guys know not to do that. Don't, think, don't you think your father knows what you need? Don't you think your father is aware that when you asked for a fish sandwich, you should have asked for a salad? But God is gracious and kind, and he gave me a fish sandwich. Okay. He says, even you know not to give bad stuff to your children. You can trust God. He, he knows that. He knows not to give bad stuff to your children. Look how he phrases it again. He says, or let me give you another example. If he asked for an egg, 
He's not going to give him a scorpion McMuffin, is he? Just figure it out. God's got this better than you do. When you pray, you can pray trusting God. And if the answer isn't what you wanted, you know the answer he has is better. If the time when he answers isn't, is, isn't to your liking, you know his timing is better. If the, if the uh, results of the prayer and the, and, and the, uh, the, the outworkings of the prayer and the, and, and, and the path that it takes you isn't what you wanted, you know that God, what God designed is better. You know how to give good stuff. Here's what he says. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? It's almost like Jesus has been setting us up this whole time when He said, when you pray, pray Father in Heaven. You know, focus on Father in Heaven. Focus on the glory of the Father in heaven. So I understand that it's an audacious thing. It takes boldness to pray to your Father in heaven. But go ahead. Pray with boldness and audacity to your Father in heaven. Pray consistently to your Father in heaven. Because you can trust that your Father in heaven will glorify himself in you. Because he will give you the Holy Spirit. Which might be the answer to every prayer. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you can endure whatever comes. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you can understand whatever comes. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you can have the wisdom to know how to live whatever comes. It's the Holy Spirit that we need. Because ultimately, in our prayer life, we do not know how to pray as we ought. But the Holy Spirit, who searches the hearts, knows what we need. That Holy Spirit makes intercession for us, prays for us. And the one who knows the hearts knows the mind of the Spirit and gives us what we need. See, it's almost like when we pray, we're praying in the wrong language because God speaks a heavenly language that was filled with his love and with his glory and his grace God speaks a majestic language and we pray with these little lisping haltering baby talk prayers you know I I tell you it's always a a compliment to me and and a source of sinful pride whenever someone has said I love to hear you pray pastor you know and I I really I want to say what did I say I want to do that again But the most eloquent prayer before God is just lisping baby talk. And the Holy Spirit takes our prayers and he dusts off all the pride and all the selfishness. He he takes our our words and he recrafts them so they're not out of out of sync with the glory of God. He takes our requests and he and he changes them so that they're in line with what God wants. And then, and only then, after the Holy Spirit has taken our prayer, reworked it, edited the thing, after the Holy Spirit has translated our prayers into something worthy of God, then that prayer is taken before the throne of grace. I mean, really, do you want God just listening to your prayer, or would you rather have God listening to the prayer the Holy Spirit intercedes on your behalf? So the Holy Spirit takes our prayers to the Father. And the will of God is done. 
How do you pray? You pray with audacity in a relationship with the Father through the Son in the name of Jesus Christ. You pray with that kind of boldness. You pray with persistence, never losing heart, never stopping, but always continuing the prayer and continuing to ask and to seek and to knock. And you pray trusting God that whatever answer He brings and whatever timing He desires, it's going to be better than anything you ever imagined. And so would you just pray that way? Pray the Lord's Prayer. Pray it with audacity and with consistency and with faith. Let's bow together in prayer. Father in heaven, we are so thankful that before we prayed, before we came to this moment, you had already put everything in the universe into alignment that your will would be done. And so we just pray that you would honor yourself, glorify yourself, that you would even allow us to be a part of that process whereby the majesty of who you are is made known in the world around us. Make us faithful and obedient. Above all, Father, make us useful that in us, your son Jesus would be glorified. Father, we pray in his name. Amen.